0: reading is um, the whole of Psalm 66. Shout with joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Come and see what God has done, how awesome his works on man's behalf. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison. And laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you, vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and an offering of of rams. I will offer bulls and goats come and listen all you who fear god let me tell you that he has what he has done for me i crowd out to him and with my mouth his praise was on my tongue if i had cherished sin in my heart the lord would not have listened but god has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer praise be to god who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me amen
1: Well, it's been a time of uh, giving and receiving of presents over this Christmas period and uh, according to research carried out by eBay, people across the country received an average £35 worth of gifts which they didn't really want. Um, Apparently more than one in ten Christmas gifts will languish at the back of drawers and the bottom of wardrobes, uh, equivalent to £1.6 billion worth of presents And an eBay spokesman commented, in the past, getting an unwanted present at Christmas meant putting on the right facial expression, smiling politely, and working out who it could be passed on to the following year or what space there was in the attic to store it. Now, eBay gives us all the opportunity to recycle our unwanted gifts. We expect to see a bumper period post-Christmas as people hit the site in an effort to get what they really wanted. That's not meant to be an advertisement for eBay, um, because on the other hand, there are many... Wanted presents, aren't there? will be much thankfulness for those who've gone to extreme effort and expense to find just the thing that we really needed, the thing we really appreciated. To say thank you, it's one of the first things that we, we teach our children because it's important to express gratitude, to take nothing for granted. And the same goes in our relationship with God. Thanksgiving It's an important aspect of our worship. But have you ever thought, what is the difference between thanksgiving and praise? Because we almost use them interchangeably sometimes, don't we? I think the main difference is that with thanksgiving, it's it's often more about me. You know, what has God done for me? Um... Whereas praise is much more about the person being praised. It's about God, it's about his person, it's about his character, it's about who he is. And so the danger is that, that thanks without praise can quite easily become very self-centred. Look at all the prayers that God has answered for me and how I've benefited from them. Whereas praise without thanksgiving can also become quite sort of abstract, if you like, sort of about the person of God that is maybe not linked to what he's done for us. Well, this morning we're looking at our verses for the year, and um, it comes from the the first two verses of Psalm 66, which John read for us. Um, Let me read those verses out again. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. They're great words. They tell us what we should be doing as, uh, as his people but they don't actually tell us why we should be doing them. And for that, we need to look at the rest of the psalm to, uh, to tell us. Because in this psalm, the thanks and the praise, they come together. We praise God for who he is, and we, we thank him for what he has done for us. Look at verse 3 there. It says, Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. These are things that he has done which has left us in awe of him. There are things that make us want to say to others. Look at verse 5. Come and see what God has done. Or verse 16. Let me tell you what he has done for me. And the reason knowing what God has done for us that fills us with awe is because it reveals to us two aspects of God, of who he is. It reveals to us his power, that he's able to do all these things, And it reveals to us his love, that he should want to do these things to those people who don't really even deserve that love. We're going to start by looking at the first of those because the first seven verses of the psalm are all about God's power. God rules forever by his power. Look at verse 3. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. And verse 7, he rules forever by his power. Now, it's difficult, isn't it, to watch a film over Christmas without there being some contest of power, whatever the the age rating of the film. Uh, You might expect them from some films, like Hunger Games, if you've seen that one. It's a sort of a futuristic um, gladiator-type contest where the participants don't really want to be there, but they have to fight to survive. But it's in all the children's um, animated films as well, isn't it, like A Kung Fu Panda too, if you saw that one the great uh, cuddly, clumsy panda Poe, who's actually the, uh, the dragon warrior uh, pitted against the evil peacock, Lord Shen. You know, it's about contest of power. And even in a, a film like Toy Story, you think, surely that's just about a load of toys. Oh, no, no. In Toy Story 3, you've got uh, Woody and Buzz Lightyear pitted against the evil Lotso and Babyface. Um, it's all about power. But in each case, they are like fictional characters. They have to demonstrate um, the superior power they have through maybe their kung fu technique. Um, maybe they've been given superpowers. Maybe they're just using wisdom and cunning to beat their opponent. And usually it involves someone being on the point of defeat. They're right down. They've got nothing left, but they, they somehow get an extra bit of power from somewhere to defeat their enemy. Now it's all quite far-fetched, and we know how it's going to end because the plot's always the same. But with the power of God, we're not talking about some fictional thing here. This is God himself who, who made this earth, who made each one of us. And so it's not surprising that in verse 3, his enemies cringe before him, all the earth bows down to him and sing praises to him. And if we're looking for an example of God's power, they've given us one here in this, um, in this psalm, haven't they? How God turned the sea... Into dry land in verse 6. They pass through the waters. The people of Israel pass through. Do you remember when they were released from slavery in Egypt? They pass through the waters on foot. We know the power of water, don't we? We've seen it this Christmas. There's flooding all over the place. Then we saw that um, a YouTube clip of a cliff collapsing uh, onto the beach. Quite spectacular. Um, it's nothing compared to other countries, of course. We don't get tsunamis here. Um, a tremendous power of water. And as humans, we can develop early defence systems, we can develop develop, um, flood defence barriers, but we can't turn back water. You know, it's, it's beyond human power. But God can, he's done that. Why? Because he's in control of this world. And sometimes I wonder whether we really truly believe these stories in the Bible, or whether we treat them as just another sort of work of fiction that we've become so used to because we've seen so many of them on our screens. The Exodus from Egypt was, was not just about God freeing his people from slavery uh, in Egypt. He could have done that in lots of different ways, couldn't he? It was also about demonstrating to all the nations that he was the true God of the world you've um, started the Bible in a year out that David mentioned before Christmas, you'll have um, been reading a New Testament, an Old Testament passage, and a psalm. And uh, one of those psalms we looked at this week was Psalm 2, which says, Be warned, you rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear, and celebrate his rule with trembling. God's rule over the earth is something which is fantastic, it's reassuring, uh, it's awesome. If you're one of his people, it's something we can celebrate. But if you're not, then it's actually something that is quite terrifying because ultimately it will lead to destruction. And in this psalm here, we have the same warning, verse 7, he rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him, the all-powerful God. Don't be so foolish as to reject God's rule. We started the service by reading from Revelation 15 and uh, if you want to turn back uh, to Revelation 15 or Revelation 16 with me, we, we read of the angels singing that song of praise to God. But as the passage continues, the angels are agents of God's wrath, they pour out the judgment on the earth. Have a look at chapter 16, verse 17 just following on from that, comes to the a seventh angel in verse 17, poured out his bowl into the air. And out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. God rules forever by his power. And if we submit ourselves to his rule, then that is a reassuring place to be because he uses his power to preserve our lives, which is the second reason here in this psalm to praise God because God has preserved our lives. Have a look at verse eight. Praise our God, O peoples, let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. Well, what does that mean? He's preserved our lives. Sounds a bit like what happened to uh, to Sherlock, if you've been watching that. About um, like the other ten million people, um, we thought he we saw him jump off a building and die. Of course, that wasn't what really happened. Uh, we still don't know exactly, but he is alive and uh, Dr. Watson's struggling to forgive him for not telling him. Is that what it's about or is it that God somehow cocoons us and pro- protects us from anything happening to us which can be particularly bad? Well, of course, we know from the many people in our church family who are suffering from serious illness that so that is not the case. We know from the, uh, reading the prayer diaries of uh, organisations like Barnabas Fund and Open Doors that uh, that is not the case. There are Christians throughout the world being persecuted for their faith. We live in a fallen world and it's, it's not an easy place to live and nor should we expect it to be. But the Lord promises to preserve us and to keep our feet from slipping and to slip It's a slip in our faith to give up trusting in God, to lose hope. There will be times when we feel like we are slipping, when things don't go the way we want. And we do wonder whether we will be able to cope. And at such points, it's important to know that we are still on solid ground. Jesus talked about uh, two men who built a house. One built it on rock and one on sand. And the same thing happened to those houses. Both of them uh, had rain coming down, streams rising, wind beating against those houses. They both experienced the same uh, trials. But one collapsed and the other remained standing because it was built on firm ground. It was the one who trusted in the words of God and who obeyed those words. The psalm here says that we will be tested. We will be refined. It says we will go through tough times. We will have burdens laid on our backs. We will have people ride over our heads. But God will keep our feet from slipping. And what we need to do to keep from falling in those situations is to remember what he has done for us. Look what it says there. It says, we went through fire and water. Verse 12. But you brought us to a place of abundance. A great word, abundance, isn't it? Abounding, overflowing. When God described the promised land to his people, he was going to bring those. He described a place that was overflowing with milk and honey. A place of abundance. The danger is that we think of abundance, though, sometimes as loads of stuff. Um, piles of Christmas presents, plates stacked full of of food. But of course, the greatest abundance that we can have is found in Jesus Christ. What does it say in Ephesians? It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with the wisdom and understanding. That is the greatest abundance that we can experience. And that is how our lives are preserved because we have been redeemed, we've been given the gift of eternal life. And that is why we can praise God in the good times and also in the tough times. That's how we are able to shout for joy all the time. And we're able to rejoice in the Lord always, knowing that our future is secure, that we don't need to slip, that every trial, every tribulation that comes our way helps us to know God in a deeper way. I don't know how 2013 was for you, I know for many of you here it was a really tough year, but hopefully those challenges and burdens and difficulties will have brought you closer To God. Hopefully, they will prepare you for an eternity with Him. What are your hopes for 2014? Are they about um, getting a a, getting new things, you know, a new new home, a new car, um, a new baby, maybe? Are they about achieving new things that give you satisfaction? Maybe learning a new skill. Maybe getting fit, maybe performing in a concert, getting a good review at work. All good things, but as Coach Taylor said on that uh, clip we looked at earlier on, all worthless unless we are doing them for the glory of God. I hope our goal for 2014 is that we remain firm in our faith, that we grow in Christlikeness, we grow in maturity and we are able to help others come to faith and grow in their faith too. Because verses the first verse first first twelve verses of this Psalm are all about a corporate thanksgiving. It's all about what God has done for us. You never know, look down here. He has preserved our lives, it says. He has kept our feet from falling. He's tested and refined us. He's brought us to a place of abundance. We are here to support and encourage one another. Yes, we need to hold one another to account, but we do that in a loving and a gracious way, not in a way that may cause ourselves and others to slip. We're entering a year of great change in the life of the church. We've got a new building, a new pastor, some wanting to do things very differently, others wanting to do things the way we've always done them. We have some very gifted people in the church. We are a church that values the views and contributions of its members. And when you throw all those things together, it's a powerful combination. But power can be constructive. It can also be destructive. How do we harness this power for good? It's by focusing on what we have in Christ. That is the glue that holds us together. Not doing anything that would tear that apart. It means shouting for joy together. It's when Christians lose their joy in the Lord that churches start to fall apart because people focus on the minor things rather than the major things. We encourage each other, we help each other grow, we support each other by reminding each other of what the Lord has done for us. And that is where the individual and the corporate here come together because in verse 13, and onwards, there's a shift here in emphasis, isn't there? It's now no longer we, it's now that I. It's not the I in the sense of, look at what I have done. It's look, look at what God has done for me. It's wanting others to know that so everybody else can praise God as well for what he has done. Look at verse 16. Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. And what is the greatest testimony that the psalmist here can give? It's there in verse 20, right at the end. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. That is the third reason I want to give this morning for, for praising God. Because God has not withheld his love. The psalmist here talks about promises that he made when he was in trouble, when he cried out to the Lord. And he's now coming and fulfilling those promises. He's offering sacrifices to God. He cried out to God in his need, and he said, God answered my prayer. But there is a warning here. Have a look at verse 18. If I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Sin is a barrier between us and God. We can't expect God to listen to us to answer our prayers if we're carrying on sinning deliberately. It's only when we confess our sins we ask for forgiveness that God will hear our prayer. He will grant us the forgiveness that we are asking for. And it's because Jesus died for our sins that we can be forgiven. A baby born at Christmas that we've been celebrating these last few weeks was given the name Jesus, Saviour, because he would save his people from their sins. And if you've not yet cried out to God, and ask for his forgiveness. If you've not yet promised to follow Jesus as your saviour, your Lord, then why not start 2014 by doing that? There's no better way really than starting a year, starting the rest of your life by committing your life to him. Start on the journey to life and abundance. And you all know abundance uh, in full. What is stopping you doing that this morning? Well, if you are already a Christian... Have you examined your life recently? Lots of people at the beginning of the year make resolutions for the year ahead. Actually, sometimes as Christians, it's probably more appropriate to do a sort of a spiritual health check. How is our relationship with God? How is our relationship with, uh, with our fellow Christians? Are we right in our heart? Is our attitude right? Is it, are we filled with joy and peace? Or is there something not quite right there? It can be the sin of one person that holds back The whole church. Remember the story of Achan in in Judges and how because of his sin, God withheld his blessing. Israel went out to battle and the whole force were routed in battle by, by Ai until Achan confessed his sin. Is there anything that we need to confess as we go into 2014 that is preventing us from enjoying God's blessing his abundance, preventing us from being used by God effectively. If we come to him in humility, if we seek his grace, he will answer our prayer. Why is that? Why do we, Can we count on that? Because it says here, because he loves us. That is what it's all about. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me as human beings made in the image of God the most important thing that we can know is is his love we are made to, to love to love others and be loved by others and the worst thing we can experience is rejection isn't it? last week I read I don't know whether you read the report in the paper about um, Nicola Horlick you remember her? she was the uh, so-called super mum of the um, the early 90s she uh, had a important high power job in the city and was trying to bring up a large family at the same time, balance these two responsibilities. Um, sadly, her eldest child, Georgina, uh, died of leukaemia at the age of 12, and after a long period of illness. And um, The hard thing was, though, that uh, when she contracted that illness, it was uh, shortly after uh, her younger sister was born. So this baby was born into the family, and uh, her mother had to spend long times with uh, her elder sister, spend long times in hospital. Uh, couldn't uh, really give the the baby the the contact that she needed because of the risk of infection. And uh, when she did die, obviously, then was a period of bereavement, actually a period of depression. And um, as the the young child, the baby, grew up, um, she had a lot of problems. She uh, turned to drink and drugs at a very early age. And um, she said herself, this is what uh, her quote, "'I became thin, pasty, wide-eyed, and hollow. "'I lost my identity.'" And it felt like I'd sold my soul. She um, uh, actually went off to, to boot camp in the US. The Americans will know about that. Um, and they traced some of those problems back to um, her sister's illness and death, um, and the lack of that contact with her mother at an early age, the love of a mother in her infancy. We all need that love, and we? we need human love. But more importantly, we need the love of a Heavenly Father because human love is not perfect. We're not perfect and therefore human love will never be perfect. But God's love is perfect. He's a Heavenly Father who knows exactly what we need. And he will not reject our cry for help. He will not withhold his love from us when we fail to achieve what others achieve. When we let him down, he doesn't count the number of times that we fail him. He doesn't take offence when we shout out at him in anger because we can't understand what is going on in our lives when we lose somebody dear to us. When we go astray, he's still there waiting for us to come back like the prodigal son, waiting for us to come back and say sorry and be received into his loving arms. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Well, as we come to to an end, the most important thing we can do in 2014 is it's summed up in those two verses, the verses for the year. Shout for joy to God. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Let's bring him our thanks. Let's bring him our praise. Let us say to him, how awesome are your deeds. And let us tell each other, let us tell others what he has done for us. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me.